So this week I was without my wife and kids. They were in Oklahoma and I had to re- do some repenting. Um, husbands, you may need some repenting too. This might provoke if you're like me. I can't tell you how many times my wife tries to help me and um, my thought is, good grief, I got this. Leave me alone. And I cannot tell you how many things went wrong this week that, that she would have helped with. Uh, the worst one was um, parking a, a one-ton truck on an incline. And I'm sure if she had been with me, she would have maybe mentioned it wasn't the best place to park or did I for sure put the emergency brake down. Uh, when I came out of the gas station, I thought someone had stolen my truck, but no, it was just rolling towards 59 in the big Denny's Gateway Loop of Carthage 59 gas station. And uh, I hadn't run that fast in years. I, I, was able, <laughs> I was able to catch it and put the brake on. And Anyway, it was exciting. So welcome back, Mandy. Thanks. It's going to be a less exciting week in some ways, but not in all ways. Um, we are ending First Peter this morning. Um, we'll end on the word amen at the end of verse 11. Now, it has verses 12 and 13 and 14, but you may remember that when Scott LeGraff started the series on 1 Peter, he took the first few verses in the beginning and the last few verses at the end of the book, so we're not going to go over those again, uh, primarily because in verse 13 or 14 it mentions greeting each other with a holy kiss, and I just don't know what to do with that. So... I'm thankful that I don't have to try to unpack that. I'm sure it was just a cultural thing, and hugs and handshakes do fine for us. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to do something that will take some time but was very rewarding for me on uh, last week on Sunday afternoon because I was in an empty house. I read the first Peter again and then pulled up the Grace Bible website and and listened to every sermon that had been preached through first Peter, and it was an outstanding review And it might be something that you can do this week um, through technology and a commute. might not even take up a lot of your time. You can multitask. But it was uh, an awesome, awesome thing for me. And, And the verse that jumped out at me that goes well with our text is uh, chapter 2, verse 16 which displays some irony like our entire passage does today. It says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Some translations say bond servants. And the irony that's there, that the way we're going to live free is to live as bond servants, is the irony of our entire passage in chapter 5. So be on the lookout for that. Will you stand? We'll read verses 5 through 11. I'll pray and ask for God's help, and then we will try to cover seven provisions that he makes for our freedom. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 11, say this. Likewise, you who are all younger, be subject to your elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares or anxieties on him, 
because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, help us to lean into the text and understand the provisions you have given us to live freely. And thank you for the, the gift. So many gifts that you have purchased for us on the cross and help us to be mindful of the gift of Christian freedom and to throw ourselves into these pathways, these provisions that you give us to lay claim on freedom so that we live differently because we met here and interacted with your word. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. I think each verse, 5 through 11, gives us a provision for gaining more Christian freedom. The first verse that we're looking at, verse 5, shows us that a provision for freedom is to be subject to one another. This is coming off the heels of being subject to elders that we talked about last week. And it gives me... A solution, thankfully, to the problem I had um, a few weeks ago with the passage that said that slaves should be submissive to their masters, not only the good ones, but also the ones that were bad. And I thought, how, how can you be a good slave owner? I don't know if you remember that problem I had. I tried to sort it out. This week, I thought, in, in the amazing grace of God, he is calling slaves to freedom. Uh, uh, because I, I thought, you know, why, do, why isn't that the command? Remember, the command should either be slave owners, let your slaves go, or slaves run away, escape. Some of you remember that. And here through my study, I realize not abstract, not trivial, not trite, but actual Christian freedom that can be enjoyed even under terrible submission or bondage that Peter's wise enough to know that the quickest route to freedom, even for those slaves, is submission. And that thinking that we should always get everything we want is this terrible bondage that we often live in. So, if it works for someone in the bondage of slavery, certainly the advice works for everyone, not everyone that's better off, right? Which would be all of us. So being subject to others grants us freedom. And God gives grace, he says, the freedom will be manifested as grace that he gives when we show humility to others. Because in the end of the verse, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So this, this freedom that comes, ironically, through submitting to others is this first provision that Peter points out. The second provision is humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God gives us freedom. Verse 6, 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Do you see the pattern? Uh, the first one, submit to others. He's going to give you grace. The second one, submit to him under his hand. He's going to lift you up. All of these have this irony that Christians are supposed to experience and have figured out that the world knows not of. So humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God grants us freedom. The expression of freedom in this verse is exaltation, that we're going to be lifted up. In the Greek, this is interesting, it doesn't necessarily, not best translated, humble yourself. And this is um, a nuance, but I think it's important. But could be translated, be humbled. The idea isn't that if the hand of God is on the other, you know, over there, once I get on these stairs, I'll be under his hand. The idea isn't that I'm over here, I'm not under the hand of God, but I'm going to humble myself and then get under the mighty hand of God. That is not what the passage is expressing. It is be humbled that you find yourself already under the hand of God. Do you see the difference? It is not that we have any power over here outside of God to do anything to get over there. It is God took us and put us under his 